Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. Well, this is a great morning to be speaking about a little baby born years before uh, Jesus went to the cross. That little baby's name turned out to be John. Not John who wrote the gospel, but another that they called John the Baptist. And the scene is this. I mean, the big picture. For 400 years, amongst the people of God in Israel, there had been no prophet, no spokesman for the Lord. I mean, there'd been lots of religious ceremonies. There'd been battles won and lost. The Romans had moved in and taken charge of the land. All kinds of stuff had happened. But it was like God had been silent. And then he bursts onto the scene in the person of John the Baptist. John would have been somewhere in the region of 30 years of age, late 20s. And the story about that man John is quite vast in its influence in the Bible because he was the one who came as a forerunner, a herald, someone to broadcast, advertise that the Messiah was coming. That's Jesus. And in that act of his broadcasting, I mean, today we would be buying ads on TV, we'd be putting up on these lit billboards, we'd be on all the personal networks trying to communicate that God was about to do something fantastic. That's the way we would do it now. Back then, around the time of Jesus, God took special people, anointed them, blessed them, and sent them on a mission. Let me put in front of you how this happened with John the Baptist. I'm going to be reading from a couple of other Gospels than John. In John's Gospel, it does mention in the middle of all the theology that we've been learning over these last several weeks, that there came a man who was sent from God and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. That's Jesus, as it says here, the true light that gives light to every man who was coming into the world. You just heard the questions that were asked of religious leaders of this John the Baptist. He'd created a massive movement. Hundreds of people were coming out into the edges of the wilderness, And hearing him preach, 
And in his preaching, they were so struck with how messed up they were, morally, religiously, that they were willing publicly to acknowledge that they were a mess. And he would baptize them as a symbol of washing away their sins. And that's why they call him John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. That's what was going on. But he was really preparing the way for Jesus to come. So a little later on when they ask him, who are you? I mean, are you the prophet that Moses spoke about? Are you really Elijah come back to life? Are you the Messiah? He said he was none of those things. So then they ask him the question, well, what do you say to yourself? Give us an answer so that we can go back to Jerusalem, their religious headquarters, and tell those who sent us what you say of yourself. And he quoted from one of the great prophets of the old part of the Bible, the Old Testament, from Isaiah. And this is what he said. I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make the, the way straight for the Lord. And then he goes on to say, I baptize you with water. But among you there stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. That's John the grown man. But the story begins, and this is where I want to turn to, for instance, Luke's gospel, where it spells it out very, very clearly. With God sending an angel to speak to John's dad, whose name was Zechariah. Listen to this. This is in Luke chapter 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready, hear this line underlined I have in my Bible, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the birth of John was like a supernatural event. Zechariah was elderly, so was his wife. They weren't expecting to have any children. And now there is the promise of this baby that in the Lord's eyes and by the Lord's working in this little baby is going to grow up 
and be a significant spiritual leader and prepare the way for, speaking now that we know, Jesus to come. To announce, in effect, the world's leading spiritual renewal agent from God himself, who was, in fact, Jesus, God himself, in the flesh, coming to rescue us. This is what Matthew had to say concerning the grown-up John the Baptist. I'm giving you this background simply because John the Baptist is not seen to be much of a character. Generally speaking, we know about Jesus, but John the Baptist was described by Jesus as a most significant person ever born of woman. Significant because he, John the Baptist, was the one who proclaimed the Messiah's coming, the Savior of the world, Jesus. So listen to this. This is from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he of whom was spoken through Isaiah the prophet as a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And it describes John outrageously. John as one who was clothed with camel's hair, clothing. That would be very coarse and uncomfortable. He had a leather belt around his waist and he lived off of the food of the desert, locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and to the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. So that's the grown-up John the Baptist. Now, one other thing. When he was first announced by the angel Gabriel to his dad, Zechariah, that this is who he's going to be, when the baby was born, his dad took that baby in his arms and the Spirit of God came on his dad, Zechariah, And this is what he said about the baby, John. You, my child, just think for a moment. It just causes me to stop. We've just dedicated these three little ones. We know how precious they are to the parents. And we've given them to the Lord. We've asked the Lord to bless them. And our prayer for those children is that they're going to grow up to know the Lord and do significant things for the Lord. That they're going to be an influence for good and make a difference in this world. I don't know what you were thinking, but that's what I'm seeing as we dedicate those three little ones. And it's amazing how quickly they grow up. It's staggering. I hate to just... Tell you parents, make the most of it. Why? Well, I love to tell you right now, actually. Make the most of it. 
because they're babies for such a short period of time. No sooner are they toddlers than they're middle schoolers and then they're getting off to get married at some point. I mean, it happens so quickly. And they become like us, grown men and women. I don't know how you see your life and where it fits into anything. But being a part of this church family, and I do encourage you, if you've got any interest at all in knowing about us, to get to that membership class, speaking to all of you adults here. But when the Lord gets a hold of you, you are someone of consequence. You don't have to become some national leader, but you become powerful in the influencing of others just like us in this world around us, which is how a movement starts that changes things for good. And that's what we see in these little children. Now I tell you this because here is Zechariah the dad holding his little baby that he's named John because that's what he was told to name him by the angel. And this is what he says about his own child. You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide their feet into the way of peace. That's some dedication. But that was the spirit of, the God, of God moving through Zechariah as he's kind of presenting his son to the Lord who becomes this amazing broadcaster, forerunner and herald of the Savior Jesus coming into the world, which before you know it, it'll be Christmas and we'll be celebrating that. And then before you know it, we're into the Easter season and celebrating his dying on the cross and walking out of the grave alive. I mean, I'm putting these pieces together because all wrapped up in this little baby, John, was the man to come and broadcast the coming of Jesus and set the stage, put the highway out there, so to speak, to make it easy for people to find their way to the Lord, to be prepared for the Lord. That's the man. Rough-hewn, rugged, a desert dweller, living off of locusts and wild honey. I don't know what else there was out there. But that's a rough description that's given of him in the Bible. He'd have been hairy, wild-looking, and the proclaimer of the gospel. The gospel through sin being announced, forgiveness being offered, and a Savior who would come to make all that real and possible for the world. Now, two things I want to just finish with. And that's to go to his message. That's who he was. You've picked up bits and pieces of his message just as he's been dedicated, set aside, announced, told of, and now with us in this note that we're reading from the Bible. John the Baptist announcing the coming of the Messiah. 
And there are two big things that he did. There were more, but two that I'm going to speak to. One was to make, make a lot of noise, speak up for Jesus. He said, I'm not the Messiah. But there is one standing among you, among you whose sandals I'm not really even worthy to kneel down and untie. And he was speaking of Jesus. He spoke of Jesus as this great one, as he said, I baptize you with water, but when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he made much of Jesus coming. At one point, some people said to John the Baptist, hey, Jesus is out there baptizing more than you are. What do you make of that? Said John the Baptist, I must decrease, he must increase. It's all about him. I'm just the one who brings the message that he is coming and what he is to do. John the Baptist ended up addressing those around him in a very direct manner. But his first big deal was to say, look, I'm not the big deal, speaking of himself. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the big-time prophet that Moses spoke about. I'm not some kind of resurrection of Elijah. I'm one who is announcing to you that the Messiah is coming and to make ready for his coming. So he made much of who Jesus was. And I will say to you, quite frankly, you can never make too much of Jesus. You can never speak of him too greatly, too grandly. You can never do too much for him. You can never love him, enjoy him, praise him. Weren't you amazed, those of you who are visiting here and part of maybe the dedication, weren't you amazed at how fantastic this band was up here? They all put that together so that we can have a worship. So they are amazing. I used to play in a band. These guys are spectacular. And that the words came up on the screen and the whole thing was prepared. That you've got this behind me, a new day dawning. A new opportunity. It's like John the Baptist is speaking to you and say, look, get ready. There's a new day dawning. And that new day is an opportunity for us to get real ourselves about Jesus. And the second thing that John the Baptist did after sort of really making Jesus look like someone special as best he could and that he, in comparison, was nothing, which he said quite plainly, and that he wasn't even worthy to sort of do up the shoelaces of the man who was coming, namely Jesus. The other thing he said was you need to repent of your sin and be baptized, be washed as symbolic washing that your sins have been forgiven. He really went after them in that sin business. Listen to what he said to the religious people who came checking him out. Because he created a movement. So the authorities in Jerusalem wanted to know what was going on. 
So they sent some of their delegates to ask him, who are you? John told them, look, I'm nobody great. I'm just here to broadcast the coming of the Messiah. Because that's what the Isaiah passage was about, the coming of Jesus. And then he said to them, you brood, <laughs> this isn't language you, you use today, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? These are religious people he's speaking to. I mean, the religious elites. He knew that they were nothing more than a bunch of hypocrites, that they were phony. It was later on that those same religious elites engineered the execution of Jesus on the cross. They not only rejected John the Baptist, they rejected Jesus too. So religion is no guarantee of anything. And these people were very religious because their hearts were wrong. Jesus described them as cups that were clean on the outside and filthy on the inside. He described them as graves, like sepulchres, tombs, that are whitewashed on the outside, but full of death and dead men's bones on the inside. This isn't about playing religion. This is about getting a personal relationship through Jesus to heaven and the hope of glory, which he came to bring. He was very, very direct in his calling people to repent. Repentance literally means, if you take the word in its original language here from the Bible, to do a 180, to turn around and head in the opposite direction to which you were going. Stop doing what you're doing. Go do something good. Repent. Repentance is not a word that we like to use. It's not used that very often in, in popular society today. You sometimes hear when somebody is being condemned by the courts and given whether it's a life sentence or whatever their punishment, that they show no remorse. They're not sorry for what they've done. They're belligerent still. And it's like that gives the judge liberty to be even more stringent on them, more judgmental, give them a heavier sentence. Just heard of one of those uh, mothers yesterday who had been bribing schools so that their children could get into a, a school, and very fashionable school. And she said, I am so sorry the thing she said by way of a repentant spirit. It's kind of a disgrace to a child as well as to her family and to the school. She was sorry to have been a part of it. Well, repentance is more than just being sorrowful. It's turning around, turning around and heading in the right direction. And that spells hope. Listen. If you want to go on, going on, the same way you're going, with all the muddles and miseries that come your way, which all of us confront, with no sense of direction or hope except to have as much pleasure as quickly as you can while you're passing through. So it's like you've got no purpose or direction or joy or identity except to go to work, to earn money, to buy food, buy pleasure, and one day you die. 
which is how I viewed things back in the day. I wasn't raised to go to church. I don't come out of a religious background. But when I learned that I could turn around and come to Jesus and leave all the filth and crap behind me that had been my life and ask Jesus to come into my life and acknowledge that he had died for my sins, this Jesus that John the Baptist was broadcasting, that Jesus, the real Jesus, who having walked out of the grave alive after they executed him, is alive today and present here so that we can invite him into our lives. That Jesus, there is hope. When you think of what your life may have been, and I know what life is, and life is tough, and you do stuff and stuff is done to you, and you get bitter and you get angry and you get discouraged, and then depressed, and then despondent, and then it's like, what's the value of it all? When you come to Christ, willing to confess that you really have screwed up. When you come to him, he's present here this morning for you, and you confess to him, he gives you a new opportunity, a new beginning. That spells hope. For you or me, any one of us, to just go on going on the way we are, spells misery. To have somehow a new dawning of your day, a new beginning, a new start. We've dedicated these little babies. How about dedicating ourselves? We've handed them over to the Lord. How about handing yourself over to the Lord? How about saying, I have a longing in my heart for something different than life is right now. And for you who are parents of those dear children, for you to know that you need the Lord in your life in order to bless them, your children, in their lives. It's a huge task. God has given you as a gift those children. You've given them back to him in this dedication. And everything we long for and pray for as you do, for them, the very best, means you've really got a job on your hands because you are the primary influence in their lives. How about giving your life back to the Lord? How about getting serious with him? And each of us in our own place, in our own time, in our own circumstance. And that would go for any of us who are pastors, worship leaders, folks in the pew. A great opportunity to begin again. A new day. A new dawning. A bright new beginning. That's what John was preaching. And that's why the folks in his day were willing to confess that they were sinful and get baptized as a ceremony by which they declared their awareness that the Lord had forgiven them. Well, why don't you close your eyes with me right now and talk to the Lord? There are any number of people by the hundreds watching this on TV, on their screen, because we're out there online. You close your eyes even now, back in your homes or in your cars, wherever you are. Close your eyes 
Be still with the Lord. See him there with you. O Lord Jesus, thank you for John the Baptist. Thank you for his guts. Thank you for his dedication. Thank you that he had stirred up people who were then willing to hear you and relate to you and surrender to you and prepare the way for you. And thank you, Lord, for coming to us right now. Thank you for your love for each one of us. Thank you for these little babies. Thank you for them, Lord. Precious, beautiful, now in your hands. And with them we place ourselves into your care and your cover to shelter like under a mighty tree as we would come to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for all the preparations by which your angelic host announced your presence at your birth. Thank you that you are here with us. And thank you for an opportunity like this to begin again with you. As best we know how, Lord, we hand ourselves over and ask you, please, to take hold of us and transform us from the inside out. Give us that new day. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.